Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm D. And this is Antiques Freak's special Patreon bonus episode presentation of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood, a penny dreadful that is far more dreadful than Penny. <laughs> we are on Chapter 11, The Communications to the Lover, The Heart's Despair. Consternation is sympathetic, and anyone who had looked upon the features of Charles Holland now that he was seated with Henry Bannerworth in expectation of a communication which his fears told him was to blast all his dearest and most fondly cherished hopes forever <laughs> would scarce have recognized him in the same young man who, one short hour before, had knocked so loudly and so full of joyful hope and expectation at the door of the hall. Wow. So, two things. One... We open the chapter with a 79-word sentence, so starting strong. <laughs> 79! Holy shit! Two, we now know that Charles knocked on the door of the manor one short hour before, which means someone let him in and didn't tell anybody. Wait, and for an hour, what was he doing for an hour? That's a great question. <laughs> so Charles knocks on the door. He gets inside the house, an hour passes, and then he's just outside of Flora's bedroom. <laughs> and then a gunshot, and he runs in, and he's choked out. The staff at this manor house is just, they're completely, they are checked out. <laughs> they they haven't not... gotten paid in a week, and they're like, <laughs> I hope you have a knife, sir, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> But so it was. He knew Henry Bannerworth too well to suppose that any unreal cause could blanch his cheek. He knew Flora too well to imagine for one moment that Caprice had dictated the, to him, fearful words of dismissal she had uttered to him. If that were Caprice, then, like, good lord, buddy, that you got it, then you're just dodging a bullet. Better to know that she's like this now before you're actually hitched. <laughs> yeah. Happier would it at that time have been for Charles Holland had she acted capriciously towards him, and convinced him that his true heart's devotion had been cast at the feet of one unworthy of so really noble a gift. Pride would have then enabled him, no doubt, successfully to resist the blow. A feeling of honest and proper indignation at having his feelings trifled with would, no doubt, have sustained him, but alas, the case seemed widely different. Oh no. True, she implored him to think of her no more, no longer to cherish in his breast the fond dream of affection which had been its guest for so long. But the manner in which she did so brought along with it an irresistible conviction that she was making a noble sacrifice of her own feelings for him, from some cause which was involved in the profoundest mystery. Did they not, like, write each other? It seems their motivation in staying in this house specifically is so he could find her again. So I'm guessing they just never bothered to have any other form of communication. Like, living in this house is their version of both post office and telephone. Yeah, but like, living in this house, they could have, like, he could have sent a letter. No. I assume he had an address for a time. Like, why was it silence up until now? No, just, no. Can't, can't do it. Can't do it. Impossible. It's not possible. We can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit reminded of that old, um, if you're growing up in the woods in elementary school, they give you the school assembly where they sit you down and have you watch a video about how not to die in the woods. And it's basically just pick a tree. That's your tree now. Hug it until someone comes to find you. 
my main man, your experiences are not universal. <laughs> that is why I added that preamble to it. Because I have since learned that city folks did not have to watch the same VHS tape. We wicked did not. <laughs> I am reminded of that now because it seems that, like, the Bannerworth family manor is to the Bannerworth family their tree in the woods. Where it's like, no matter what the fuck happens, they are not leaving this house until someone comes to find them. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah, yeah. But now he was to hear all. Henry had promised to tell him, and as he looked into his pale but handsomely intellectual face, he half dreaded the disclosure he yet panted to hear. Panted? Panted. 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 <laughs> tell me all, Henry, tell me all, he said. Upon the words that come from your lips, I know I can rely. I will have no reservations with you, Henry, said Henry sadly. <laughs> God, I wish I could have reservations. <laughs> I just, every time this author attempts to invoke an emotion, it immediately leaps to the opposing point in the emotional spectrum. <laughs> you ought to know all, and you shall. Prepare yourself for the strangest revelation you ever heard. Indeed. Aye, one which in hearing you may well doubt, and one which I hope you will never find an opportunity of verifying. You speak in riddles. And yet speak truly, Charles. You heard with what a frantic vehemence Flora desired you to think no more of her. I did, I did. She was right. She is a noble-hearted girl for uttering those words. A dreadful incident in our family has occurred, which might well induce you to pause before uniting your fate with that of any member of it. Oh god. He's loving this. He's a dramatic bitch. Impossible. Nothing can possibly subdue the feelings of affection I entertain for Flora. She is worthy of anyone, and, as such, amid all changes, all mutations of fortune, she shall be mine. It's a little creepy. A little bit. Do not suppose that any change of fortune has produced the scene you were witness to. Then, what else? I will tell you, Holland. In all your travels and in all your reading, did you ever come across anything about... Vampires? Oh no! <laughs> about what? cried Charles, drawing in his chair forward a little. About what? You may well doubt the evidence of your own ears, Charles Holland, and wish me to repeat what I said, because it will make it that much easier for the author to fill the page count. <laughs> As is always the way. I say, do you know anything about vampires? Charles Holland looked curiously in Henry's face, and the latter immediately added, I can guess what is passing in your mind at present, and I do not wonder at it. You must think I am mad. Oh, buddy, you sure can't guess what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> well, really, Henry, your extraordinary question. I knew it. Were I you, I should hesitate to believe the tale, but the fact is, we have every reason to believe that one member of our own family is one of those horrible preternatural beings called vampires. You wicked don't, though. <laughs> you wicked don't. Good God, Henry, can you allow your judgment for a moment to stoop to such a supposition? That is what I have asked myself a hundred times, but Charles Holland, the judgment, the feelings, and all the prejudices natural and acquired must succumb to actual ocular demonstration. <laughs> Oh, wow. All right. All right. Now that was an offensive. That was offensive. The judgment, the feelings, and all the prejudices natural and acquired must succumb to actual ocular demonstration. Disgusting. 
17 words to say, I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Shameful. Listen to me and do not interrupt me. You shall know all and you shall know it circumstantially. Huh? Circumstantially is the actual word printed upon the page. Huh. Henry then related to the astonished Charles Holland all that had occurred from the first alarm of Flora up to that period when he, Holland, caught her in his arms as she was about to leave the room. Jesus Christ. Wait, 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 wait. We got 17 words to say, I'll believe it when I see it. But for a recap of the entire story thus far, he actually clipped it to a sentence. Which is incredible because this is a story that is releasing a chapter a month. So there is like justifiable reason to summarize the entire story up to this point for the audience. Yeah, why didn't you, dog? Like, it's not supposed to be read back to back to back. I can't believe this. They have every right to put in the literary version of the recap episode, or like the recap scene at the beginning of a Buffy episode. Yeah, like... This is the format that calls for previously on, and yet... I can't... I can't believe this. I mean, not that I'm complaining, I'm just very confused. (laughs) It works very well for our purposes. It's great for us. It's very confusing in 1845. (laughs) And now, he said in conclusion, I cannot tell what opinion you may come to as regards these most singular events. You will recollect that here is the unbiased evidence of four or five people to the facts, and beyond that, the servants who have seen something of the horrible visitor, and also let you in without telling anybody? For like an hour? So what's up with that? Unbiased my left ass. You bewilder me utterly, said Charles Holland, as we are all bewildered. But, but gracious heaven, it cannot be. It is. No, no, there is. (laughs) There must be some yet dreadful mistake. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Stop doing this to Charles Holland. Can you start any supposition by which we can otherwise explain any of the phenomena I have described to you? If you can, for heaven's sake, do so, and you will find no one who will cling to it with more tenacity than I. This immediately after dismissing all of Chillingworth's arguments. (laughs) Out of hand. Yeah, what the fuck? Any other species or kind of supernatural appearance might admit of argument, but this, to my perception, is too wildly improbable, too much at variance with all we see and know of the operations of nature. Okay, so he is willing to accept that it might be a ghost, a fairy, or a werewolf, but he draws the line vampire. Yes. Okay. That's reasonable. Yeah. Everyone knows ghosts, fairies, and werewolves are all extremely real. They're real as shit. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle absolutely proved that, but... Yeah, he, he did prove that it's real as shit, yeah. <laughs> it is so. All that we have told ourselves repeatedly, and yet is all human reason at once struck down by the few brief words of it... We have seen it. I would doubt my eyesight. One might, but many cannot be laboring under the same delusion, unless the house is filled with carbon monoxide gas, in which case that will happen. (laughs) That'll happen! Listen, that'll happen. My friend, I pray you, do not make me shudder at the supposition that such a dreadful thing as this is at all possible. I am, believe me, Charles, most unwilling to oppress anyone with the knowledge of these evils, but you are so situated with us that you ought to know, and you will clearly understand that you may, with perfect honor, now consider yourself free from all engagements you have entered into with Flora. No, no, by heaven, no. Yes, Charles, reflect upon the consequences now of a union with such a family. Oh, Henry Bannerworth, can you suppose me so dead to all good feeling, so utterly lost to honorable impulses, as to eject from my heart her who has possession of it entirely on such a ground as this? You would be justified. 
They've proven nothing. They've proven nothing to him. And in the span of about 20 minutes, they've actually just said, Flora's right. You should probably just fucking cut your losses. <laughs> now, in the previous <laughs> chapter, Charles was described as a man who considered the Bannerworths to be very intelligent and respectable. And I think if that's his standard for human behavior, he would absolutely immediately believe this. That's sad because, you know, I've really come to like Charles. I don't understand why, because all he's done is, like, break into the house and get attacked. Oh, he didn't break in. I think we've established that they let him in. <laughs> and then he's just wandering around the house for an hour with no one living there knowing he's there. He's just chilling. I don't think, listen, Charles Holland did nothing wrong. He wandered up to Flora's bedroom over the course of an hour without any escort from a servant. Yeah, it's a... It's a big fucking house. He's trying to find his way around. No, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be escorted to the parlor and then wait for the host to come down and fetch you. He's abandoned all protocol. He has no honor. He is as the common sneak thief in the night. Oh my god. Harsh words. <laughs> Sir, I cannot agree. Oh, man. Coldly justified imprudence I might be. There are a thousand circumstances in which a man may be justified in a particular course of action, and that course may yet be neither honorable nor just. I love Flora, and were she tormented by the whole of the supernatural world, I should still love her. Nay, it becomes, then, a higher and nobler duty on my part to stand between her and those evils, if possible. Aw, see? He ain't scared of no ghost. I'm so happy for him, but that also doesn't make him any more intelligent than Romeo. No, but it's it's sweet. Mm. It's it's kind of sweet. Bleh. Oh well, excuse me, Mister. I don't like romance. You know me. I abhor romance. You, you know, you know that one guy, the one he's known best for, is he hates romance. I despise romance. Charles, Charles said Henry. I cannot, of course, refuse you my meed of praise and admiration for your generosity of feeling. Woof. But remember, if we are compelled, despite all our feelings and all our predilections to the contrary, to give in to a belief of the existence of vampires. I'm trying really hard to pronounce the Y in vampires. Vampire. Vampires. Vampire. Why may we not at once receive as the truth all that is recorded of them? To what do you allude? To this. That one who has been visited by a vampire, and whose blood has formed a horrible repast for such a hitty <laughs> for such a being, <laughs> becomes, after death, one of the dreadful race, and visits others in the same way. Like tuberculosis, it's contagious. That's kind of true, yeah. Now this must be insanity, cried Charles. It bears the aspect of it indeed, said Henry. Oh, that you could by some means satisfy yourself that I am mad. <laughs> There may be insanity in this family, thought Charles, with such an exquisite pang of misery that he groaned aloud. <laughs> <laughs> what a dramatic bitch. I love him. Henry's like, yeah, we're probably all crazy. And Charles is just like, ugh. Honestly, like, that's fair, bro. And he's just like, fuck off. <laughs> Already, added Henry mournfully, Already, the blighting influence of the dreadful tale is upon you, Charles. Oh, let me add my advice to Flora's entreaties. She loves you, and we all esteem you. Fly, then, from us, and leave us to encounter our miseries alone. 
Fly from us, Charles Holland, and take with you our best wishes for happiness, which you cannot know here. Oh my god, they really don't want their sister to get married. Never, cried Charles. I devote my existence to Flora. I will not play the coward and fly from one whom I love on such grounds. I devote my life to her. This whole conversation has just been them going, bruh, give up. Can you imagine if this was, like, a ploy to get her out of the engagement? Like, if they just really <laughs> didn't want her to marry this guy, but didn't want, like, the social stigma of breaking it off. So they're just like, okay, we'll tell him we're haunted by vampires, and that Flora is turning into one, and then he'll leave. And then it's not working. Yeah, like, bruh, it's gotta work. He's like, he's still white knighting it this hard. <laughs> Joke's on you, the, the vampire only makes me want her more. Like, oh, fuck off, come on. <laughs> Henry could not speak for emotion for several minutes. I'm assuming that emotion was hysterical laughter. Frustration. <laughs> and when at length, in a faltering voice, he could utter some words, he said, God of heaven, what happiness is marred by these horrible events. What have we all done to be the victims of such a dreadful act of vengeance? What did I do to deserve such a stupid brother-in-law? <laughs> Henry, do not talk in that way, cried Charles. Rather, let us bend all our energies to overcoming the evil than spend any time in useless lamentations. I cannot even yet give in to a belief in the existence of such a being as you say visited Flora. But the evidences, they care not for your feelings. <laughs> Yo, here he is. I've been wondering when he'd show up. Look you here, Henry. Until I am convinced that some things have happened which it is not totally impossible could happen by any human means whatsoever, I will not ascribe them to supernatural influence. <laughs> but what human means, Charles, could produce what I have now narrated to you? I do not know just at present, but I will give the subject the most attentive consideration. Will you accommodate me here for a time? You know you are as welcome here as if the house were your own and all that it contains. You've certainly acted like it up to now when you knocked on the door and then just <laughs> yeah. wandered upstairs for an hour, you creep. Yeah, why change your fucking behavior now, asshole? <laughs> I believe so, most truly, as I have demonstrated with my behavior. You have no objection, <laughs> I presume, to my conversing with Flora upon this strange subject? Certainly not. Couldn't stop you if we tried, buddy. Of course you will be careful to say nothing which can add to her fears. I shall be most guarded, believe me. You say that your brother, Mr. Chillingworth, yourself, and this Mr. Marshdale have all been cognizant of the circumstances. Yes, yes. Then with the whole of them you permit me to hold free communication upon the subject. Most certainly. I will do so then. Keep up good heart, Henry, and this affair, which looks so full of terror at first sight, may yet be divested of some of its hideous aspect. I am rejoiced, if anything can rejoice me now, said Henry, to see you view the subject with so much philosophy. Why, said Charles, <laughs> you made a remark of your own which enabled me, viewing the matter in its very worst and most hideous aspect, to gather hope. What was that? You said, properly and naturally enough, that if we ever felt that there was such a weight of evidence in favor of a belief in the existence of vampires, that we are compelled <laughs> to succumb to it, we might as well receive all the popular feelings and superstitions concerning them likewise. I did. Where is the mind to pause when we once open it to reception of such things? Well then, if that be the case, we will watch this vampire and catch it. Catch it? Yes, surely it can be caught, as I understand this species of being is not like an apparition that may be composed of thin air and utterly impalpable to the human touch, 
but it consists of a revivified corpse. Yes, yes. Revivified, I like that. Then it is tangible and destructible. By heaven, if I ever catch a glimpse of any such thing, it shall drag me to its home, be that where it may, or I will make it prisoner. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, Charles, you know not the feeling of horror that will come across you when you do. You have no idea of how the warm blood will seem to curdle in your veins and how you will be paralyzed in every limb. Did you feel so? I did. I will endeavor to make head against such feelings. The love of Flora shall enable me to vanquish them. Think you it will come again tomorrow? <laughs> Try to be less of a pussy than you, then I guess. Fucking Charles coming on all fronts. I can have no thought the one way or the other. It may. We must arrange among us all, Henry, some plan of watching which, without completely prostrating our health and strength, will always provide that one shall be up all night and on the alert. It must be done. Flora ought to sleep with the consciousness now that she has ever at hand some intrepid and well-armed protector, who is not only himself prepared to defend her, but who can in a moment give an alarm to us all, in case of necessity requiring it. It would be a dreadful capture to make to seize a vampire, said Henry. <laughs> fucking killing me. Not at all. It would be a very desirable one. Being a corpse revivified, it is capable of complete destruction, so as to render it no longer a scourge to anyone. Charles, Charles, are you jesting with me, or do you really give any credence to the story? My dear friend, I always make it a rule to take things at their worst, and then I cannot be disappointed. I am content (laughs) to reason upon this matter, as if the fact of the existence of a vampire were thoroughly established, and then to think upon what is best to be done about it. You are right. If it should turn out, then, that there is an error in the fact, well and good, we are all the better off. But if otherwise, we are prepared and armed at all points. Let it be so, then. It strikes me, Charles, that you will be the coolest and the calmest among us on this emergency. But the hour now waxes late. I will get them to prepare a chamber for you, and at least tonight, after what has occurred already, I should think we can be under no apprehension. Probably not. But, Henry, if you would allow me to sleep in that room where the portrait hangs of him whom you suppose to be the vampire, I should prefer it. Prefer it? Yes. I am not one who courts danger for danger's sake, but I would rather occupy that room to see if the vampire who perhaps has a partiality for it, will pay me a visit. As you please, Charles. You can have the apartment. It is in the same state as when occupied by Flora. Nothing has been, I believe, removed from it. You will let me, then, while I remain here, call it my room? Assuredly. Wow, they just agreed to that, like, immediately. Like, yeah, go fucking knock yourself out, idiot. (laughs) This arrangement was accordingly made to the surprise of all the household, not one of whom could, indeed, have slept or attempted to sleep there for any amount of reward. But Charles Holland had his own reasons for preferring that chamber, and he was conducted to it in the course of half an hour by Henry, who looked around it with a shudder as he bade his young friend good night. Wow. So, D, you still a big Charles fan? Uh, yeah, actually, I think so. Still a Charles head? I'm kind of, I'm still a Charlie head. (laughs) Still a Hollandaise? I feel like he's gonna, a Hollandaise, yeah, that's what we call ourselves. No, I like, I think that he's going to get along with Chillingworth really well. Uh-huh. I like that he doesn't believe any of these idiots. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think his whole attitude's very good. They're like, no, just get out of here. There's a vampire. And he's like, fucking prove it. Like, I, I like it. You know, I think his, I like his whole steez. I think he makes a welcome addition to the cast, if only because it makes Mr. Marchdale marrying Flora that much more unlikely. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is, like, if he's going to be coming in, like, this cavalier about it, then, like, he and Flora still stand a chance. I'm getting the vibes that he's staying in that room because he's going to throw hands with this vampire. Oh, hell yeah. 
Hell yeah, he wants to punch this vampire right in the dick. Yeah, so so are you a you a Hollandaise? You on board? Uh no, I'm I'm still a Chillingworth man through and through. Well, yeah, that's I mean 100%. If I may be brutally honest, I think we all know that I am always on the side of the vampire at all times. That is completely understandable. <laughs> but of the human characters, <laughs> I am closest to Chillingworth. Do you think that the vampire is going to kill Holland? I mean, it would be interesting to see the vampire succeed at something. That would be refreshing, now, wouldn't it? Oh, man. Well, thank you all for supporting the podcast and for joining us for this thrilling chapter of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. Tune in next week for Chapter 12, Charles Holland's Sad Feelings. (laughs) The Portrait, The Occurrence of the Night at the Hall. Au revoir. Goodbye.